This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I'm going to be speaking today out of Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 22, if you'll turn there. I preached this message a couple of years ago, and the Lord has so led for us to uh, use it again today, and I pray that uh, the insights that we receive uh, would be applicable uh, as the present day and the future for us all as well. I'm speaking this morning on the subject, the steps of a good man. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 5, and uh, I'm going to be reading these scriptures this morning, beginning in verse number 22 through 27. So the scriptures, let's begin to get, uh, today and together by reading this morning, beginning in uh, verse number 22. The word says, And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That means he did not die. God took him. And by the way, let me say this, that this is a type of the rapture, type of the rapture. The Old Testament is presented to us with many types and figures. This is a figure, this is a type of when the rapture occurs, there will be people who do not die, who will be instantly taken from this earth when the trumpet sounds. This is a picture of those living in the day of the rapture when they don't physically die, they are translated. That's what happened to Enoch. And it's in there for a purpose, a type, a figure-like and so Enoch did not experience a physical death. God took him. All right, look at this. Verse 25, And Methuselah lived 187 years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 782 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Let's talk about the steps of a good man today. Now, today we honor all of our fathers. Today we celebrate Father's Day. And I try to mention this every couple of years to you, and some of you might find it interesting to know how Father's Day originated. It fascinates me every time I'm refreshed in this bit of history, and that's exactly what it is. But in 1910, if you can imagine, back in 1910, there was a lady by the name of Sonora Dodd, and she lived in Washington State. And she was sitting in a church service on Mother's Day, and she was listening to the sermon about mothers. And in that service, she affectionately began to think about 
her father. Not only honoring her mother, but she began to think about her father. Now, her father was a Civil War veteran. Her mother had died early in her life, and her siblings had been raised entirely by their father. And the story goes like this. He was a devout and a godly man. He loved the Lord. And in that Mother's Day service, she thought how wonderful it would be to have a service devoted in paying honor to all fathers. Now think about this, all the way back in 1910. And because Sonora's father was born in June, she requested that her pastor have a special service in that month that would honor all fathers, and especially her father. So the pastor agreed, and that service took place, and as a result of that, it began to spread through the community like wildfire. And it became a tradition. And listen to this. 56 years later, in 1966, President Lyndon Johnson signed the proclamation declaring the third Sunday in June would be set aside for Father's Day. Going all the way back to inspiration that took place in 1910. And now, for 112 years, after Sonora Dodd was inspired with that respectful idea, now look out across this congregation, and I know that there are many watching by internet who on this day reflect like millions of others all around the world, to give honor to their fathers as well. Think about the influence that one person could have on a nation. One of the sweetest things that I heard about Father's Day was from a little boy who was asked this question. He was asked, what was the nicest thing that your father ever did for you? And this is what he said. He smiled and said, he married my mother. Isn't that precious? There's probably not one father here this morning that would object to becoming a better father. We all know where our shortcomings are. We all know where we fall short. We all know where our weaknesses are. And, and I believe that every one of us, whether you're a father in here today or a young man, listen, I think that all of us would agree that it would benefit the world. It would benefit our community. It would certainly benefit our families and those around us if we would become better godly men. I want us to think about that. No doubt we would all like, guys, we would all like to become better men. And when we come to a day like this, the Bible has a great deal to say about fathers, and it has a great deal to say about godly men. And the Scriptures gives us perfect examples of what Godly men and godly fathers, what fatherhood should be like. 
Listen to this for a moment. When we think of Isaac's father, we think about Abraham, who was the father of the Hebrew race and who became known as the father of faith. When we think of Solomon's father, we think of how the Scripture describes David and the role that he had in leadership and the building of the nation of Israel. Perhaps one of the most familiar fathers in all of the Bible we can identify and we relate to and we speak quite often about the father of the prodigal son. And what a beautiful day it was when the prodigal said, I will arise and go back to my father. I mean, think about it. After everything he had done, after really the fool that he had made of himself and the setbacks and tragedies in life that he took, when he said, I will arise and go back to my father, and he made it back home, there stood his father, not with stones to throw, not with a belt to give him a whooping. By the way, I was watching something the other day, and it was, it was hysterically funny to me anyway. This little boy, he was about three or four years old, and he had done something really bad. And you could hear his dad in the background saying, Devon, go get the belt. And it took him forever. He said, the little boy poked his head out of the door and said, oh, we need to talk about this. He said, no, go get the belt. So finally in the conversation, the little boy, he comes out with the belt, lays it in his father's lap. He said, Devon, you need a whooping. And the little boy said, Devon, Ain't got no time for a whooping. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical funny, but anyway, the prodigal's father now, he wasn't standing there ready to crucify this guy. The Word of God teaches us, and, it, and it's probably one of the most beautiful pictures in all of the Bible of our Heavenly Father. You think about this. The Father's love for us the father had opened up his arms and he saw the young man afar off and he says, go kill the fatted calf and get a ring to put on his hand and shoes to put on his feet. And here's the deal. When you and I get away from the father and we sin and we stray, we backslide for a period of time. When we come to our place of sorrow and repentance, when we get to the place where we experience brokenness, I'm so glad that the father doesn't stand there with a belt in his hand because the chastisement should have already taken place. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. But when we decide, I've wandered far away from home, Lord, I'm coming home. When we decide that we're coming back, I promise every one of you that the heavenly father is so lovingly standing with his arms open wide and ready to receive us all. I believe this with all of my heart, that this is one of the most precious applications that we can get from the Word of God today on Father's Day. That, and this meant a lot to me as I was studying this and preparing this message. One of the first, and, and guys, please listen, whether you are a father yet to be, whether you are one now, listen carefully. The one of the first impressions that children get of God is what they first learn 
from a godly father. I want you to think about that. Now, getting back to the text, most of us know who Methuselah is. He was the oldest man that ever lived. By the way, I did a fast check early this morning because I wanted to be as accurate as I possibly could, as fresh as I could, about the oldest person living on the earth right now. His name is Juan Perez. He's from Venezuela. Right now, this morning, he is 112 years old, and his birthday is next month, which he will be 113. You think about that. The oldest man who ever lived on the earth, the Word of God records at 969 years old. Now, probably more familiar to us than Methuselah is Methuselah's father, Enoch. I want you to think about that. We all know what the Bible says. Enoch walked with God and God took him. Look at verse number 24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. But I want you to see something here in this text that you may have never noticed before. Again, I preached this sermon several years ago and you may remember this. But if you're hearing this for the very first time today, and those of you that are watching, I want you to look very carefully because some of you may see this and have never thought about it before. And it's a beautiful spiritual nugget that I think just leaps off the pages of Scripture. Every time I study the Bible, that's what I want the Word to do for me. I want God to show me something that I may have missed, that I've never seen before, that he would refresh me in the goodness and the freshness of his glory. But look very carefully at verse 21. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. But here is the nugget. It's in verse 22. And Enoch walked with God after. I have that underlined in my word. This is, it was incredible to me. And sometimes when you take time, when you read the word of God to study it and go word for word, that's really called expository study. Brother Danny's doing that in Sunday school right now, teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. That's called expository teaching. Sometimes you can do expository study. On Wednesday night, we do expository teaching as well. But look at this, and, and you may find it fascinating, but underline these words. And Enoch walked with God after he begat. I've got those three words underlined in my scripture. After he begat, Methuselah. Now, have you ever noticed that before? You say, well, what's so significant about that preacher? Well, the scripture says that Enoch began to walk with God after he became a father. Now, that's, that's fascinating to me. The Bible doesn't say, but whatever Enoch was doing before his son was born, Life dramatically changed when he was born. That's significant. Life dramatically changed when he was born. You know, parenthood has a way of changing a lot of things in our life. Children are a great tool that God can use to help us as parents keep our priorities straight. 
When God blesses us with children, it ought to motivate us to steer us away from the mistakes and the failures of our past and motivate us because we are living examples. We are living testimonies. We are a living roadmap whom we pray would imitate our life, who would imitate us as believers. According to the Bible, life dramatically changed for Enoch after this little boy was born. When Methuselah was born, Enoch probably began to pray something like this. God, make me the father that I ought to be. Make me to be the man that my sons and my daughters need me to be. Give me strength. Give me a desire, Lord. Give me the will not to lead my family astray. Help me, God, to be an example. Help me to be a teacher. Help me to be a godly influence upon their life. Now, notice verse 22 again. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And let me say to all of our fathers here this morning that our walk is far more important than our talk. Let's get that today, class. Our walk is far more important than our walk. Now, our talk is important. The things we say are important. Our words that our children hear us say is critical. And, and please remember this. You cannot retrieve them. You cannot retrieve them. But sometimes it's easy to talk fast and it's easy to talk out of both sides of our mouth. The thing that our children cannot ignore and the thing that you cannot hide is what they see every single day. That's why our walk is more important than our talk. What they hear is important, yes. But what they see is even more important. So the first thing that I want to admonish every father here today to think about, and those of you that are watching at home, please focus in with us this morning. Number one, make sure you are on the right path. If you're following along in the bulletin, that's what we're talking about. Make sure you're on the right path. Psalms 37, 23 says this, the steps of a good man, and that's what we're speaking about today, are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. If Enoch was going to walk with God, he had to be walking the right path. He could not always be doing the things he wanted to do are always doing the things he thought he needed to do. If he was going to walk with God, he had to be doing the things that God wanted him to do. So let me ask you to take some spiritual inventory today because sometimes we can get so consumed in our own world and our own thing that we totally forget that we have little eyes not only watching, but listening to everything that we do. Here's an important spiritual truth. Guys, this morning, please get this. God is not 
simply tagging along with us through the day. God is leading the way. And we have to remember something here, just like it is today. Today is a difficult day to be a father. I re realize that. And it was a difficult day in Enoch's day to be a father. It was then in his day, Enoch's day, a society like it's much of what we're dealing with today. There were a lot of hardships. There were a lot of struggles. There was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of peer pressure. There was a lot of temptation. But when little Methuselah came along, something dramatically happened in Enoch's life. He walked with God after Methuselah or Enoch was born. Now listen to this. Enoch refused to allow Methuselah to become a part of the world. He just was not going to let his son become a part of it. And, and we have to be committed like that. Guys, listen carefully. It's going to take will and determination, and it's going to take effort. It's going to take endless responsibility to help your children, to make sure your children are walking the straight and narrow. And you saying this, and those of you that are watching, you need to go to church. You need to be in Sunday school. You need to be in the Iwana program. You need to be in the youth. Listen, you can say that till you're blue in the face, but men, God has given you the responsibility if you have children to bring them to the house of God. God said, if that is what you want, he said, that's what I will give you. He said, walk with me. And a lot of fathers today, and those of you that are young men today, you're thinking about a family and, and you want to have children in your life one day. A lot of fathers, they want it both ways. Enoch was the kind of father that reminds me a little bit of Joshua. Joshua said to the whole crowd, he said, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me ask you this morning, have you done that? Guys, are you drawing lines in the sand? It's certainly a responsibility that we have. The greatest thing that a father could ever give his children is a dad who knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so let me ask you this morning, are you going down the right road? Are you on the right road to heaven what, what path are you taking your children down? This is what I believe with all my heart, that the father in the home is the spiritual key to the family, or should be. I have found that you, if you can win a father to the Lord, in my personal life, in my, my soul-winning experiences, I have found this, that if I can win the Father to Christ, I have a much better chance of winning the wife, and I have a much better chance of winning the children if I win the Father. I can remember like it was yesterday, years and years and years ago, when I was 50 pounds lighter, my hair was black. I could have played for the Dallas Cowboys. I still think I can sometimes. But I can remember teaching these young adults over here, 
And one day, one Sunday morning, a young man came in. He heard the lesson. He came back. He heard the lesson. He came back and he heard the lesson. Finally, he met me in the lobby. He said, he said, I want to be saved. He said, I cannot sit through another service. I cannot hear another message. You talk about being saved, and I'm not, and I want to be saved. Save me. I said, I cannot save you any more than I can save myself. Salvation is a supernatural work, a miracle work of God, and I cannot perform miracles, but Jesus can. And he said, I want to be saved. How do I do it? I led him to Christ, and this is what he said. Will you please come to my house on Tuesday night? And I want you to tell my wife what I have been listening to for the last three weeks. I want her to know what I know. I said, sure. I went to their house on a Tuesday night, and I began to share with her. I'll never forget her name. Her name was Annette. And I, I said, Annette, would you want to trust Jesus just like your husband? She said, yes. What do I need to do? It sounded like the Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? And I began to share her the scriptures, and both of them began to weep. And I said, do you want to trust the Lord now? She said, absolutely. We knelt down in the coffee table area of their home, and she prayed the sinner's prayer verbatimly with me out loud, gave her heart to Christ, then got her kids in church. I'm telling you, when you win the father... You can win the mother, and when you win the mother, you have a better chance of winning the children. That's the way it's worked in my life. And so, listen carefully. We, we are an example. We have opportunities. I believe that every father in some way or another, we should be the ones who are setting the spiritual tone in our families. Some men take their jobs to the center of their lives. Some make Sundays their only day to sleep. Some give in to sports and entertainments and hobbies and desires. But let me say something this morning, guys. Listen carefully. And this is not a prophecy. This is not a word of knowledge. And by the way, I have a book of knowledge. And here's the thing. Your kids will not be kids forever. You will one day, and it will come sooner than later, you will one day look in the rearview mirror of your life, and you'll remember those first wobbly steps they took, or the first Christmas present they unwrapped, or the first birthday candle they blew out, or the first word they said. You'll think about all of those things one day. You'll look in the rearview mirror of your life, and it will be absolutely different. You'll say, where did time go? Where did time go? And you will not be able to call back that time any more than you will be able to call back words. It will all be over. Children are not going to be children forever, and the path that you're walking will affect them for the rest of their lives. So don't let anything take Jesus out of the center of your life. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Dads, have you ever thought about this? That when you bring a little child into this world, 
you are bringing in a little bit of eternity in this world as well because every person has a soul. And you have a big part of bringing them into the world. You will have a big part in where they go when they depart this world. So let me say today that every father needs to be making sure they're walking on the right path. Number two, quickly, be sure you're walking at the right pace. If you're following along in the bullet today, if you're, if you're walking with God, then he'll have you to walk with him as Enoch did at his pace, not behind him, not ahead of him, but with him. And millions of fathers all around the world, they don't give this a second thought about the responsibility that comes around with fatherhood. It's not, fellas, listen, please get this. It's not just about work and entertainment. God help us. It's far from that. We know we have to work. Danny said it so well today in his Sunday school lesson by the sweat of our brow because of the fall in Eden. And yes, Listen, it's not just about that. It's not just about work and entertainment. We, we are given the responsibility of human souls to lead them and guide them, to teach our children, to teach them about the Bible and life and how to love their mother, how to treat their fellow man. I came across... This scripture the other day in sermon preparation, I want you to see this. I don't know if they have it on the bulletin or if it's uh, back there in the media, but it's, it's a powerful verse, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 1, and it's here on the screen. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. It was rather cute, I thought, an article that originated with a little boy who was four years old. Listen to this and think about your life and your circumstances. He said, when I was four, I thought my father could do anything. When I was five, I thought my father sure knows a whole lot. When I was six, I would say my dad is smarter than your dad. But when I turned eight, I began to think that my dad really didn't know everything. And when I was 10, I would say, in the olden days, my dad grew up, things were really different. When I was 12, I really felt my dad was out of touch and simply was too old to know any better. When I was 14, I often said, don't pay any attention to my dad. He's an old fogey. When I was 21, I said, my dad just doesn't get it. But then things begin to change. When I was 25, I said, Dad knows a lot about this because he's been around for a long time. And when I was 30, I said, maybe we should ask Dad 
to find out what he thinks about this. And when I was 40, I found myself asking, I wonder how dad feels about this. And when I turned 50, I said, I would give anything if dad were still around so I could talk it over with him one more time. Dad, I want to say this. You'd be surprised what your children can learn from you. And if you're going to get them walking on the right path and at the right pace, it's going to take some valuable time from your end of the load. I was reading an article this week that said on an average basis, most fathers spend two to four minutes a day with their children. This is a sad story, and some of you may know the truth of it. Most of you remember the television evangelist ministry, PTL. And when Jim Baker, who formerly was with PTL Ministries, went to prison for being a con artist, his son Jamie got into some serious trouble. And one thing led to another, and he got involved in drugs, and he adapted to a rebellious lifestyle. But one day... Jamie went to the prison where his father was and was able to spend the entire day with him. And at the end of the day, this is what Jamie Baker said to his father, Jim Baker. He said, Dad, he said, this has been the best day of my life because he said, I've spent my whole life trying to get your attention. And I just wanted to spend one day with you and have you all to myself. And if it took you going to prison for that to happen, this has been the best day of my life. And so dads, don't wait until your family crumbles into pieces before you realize that time does matter with your kids. Enoch walked with God. He got on the right path. He was walking at the right pace. And number three, and lastly, and our musicians come forward. Be sure you're going to the right place. Verse 24, in Genesis, the word says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. As you know, Enoch never physically died. We've already talked about that. God took him from that walk directly into heaven. Verse 27, And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. And so without a doubt, Enoch was concerned that his son Methuselah was headed for the right place at death. I came across a chilling suicide note written by a little girl who killed herself in the airport restroom in Chicago. And she wrote a letter describing the events that led to this place, this traumatized place in her life. And she spoke highly of her godly mother, but in the last sentence she wrote, tell my wicked daddy I'll meet him in hell. That, that froze my heart. I want to close by saying this. Those of you that are watching, please don't turn 
the camera off wherever you're watching from right now. Please, those of you that are here, listen attentively. A little boy came home from Sunday school, and when he got home, he found his daddy on the couch watching the big game on television. His daddy didn't go to church, didn't have time for church, didn't have time for God. Spiritual things didn't matter to him. And the little boy sat on the couch, and he was trying to get his dad's attention. But the little boy's father's mind was a million miles away in the game. Finally, the little boy jumped out of the cushion from where he was sitting and jumped right smack in the middle of his daddy's lap. And he said, hey, daddy, guess what I learned in Sunday school today? Guess what the Sunday school teacher asked us today? And without ever looking in his son's eyes, keeping his eyes fixed on the big game, he said, and what did she say? not turning his way. The little boy said, the teacher asked when we died one day, where did we want to go? Well, that got the father's attention. He turned his head and looked into the eyes of his little son and said, what did you say? He said, Daddy, I told my teacher that when I die, I want to go where my daddy goes. That brought tears to that father's eyes, and he knew that he was not at the point of leading his son in the right place. The story went on to say that the man called the little boy's pastor. The pastor came over and led him to Christ. Sir, let me say, where have you spent the years? leading your children. There's an opportunity for a fresh start. Those of you that are watching, listen. The game's not over. You might say, well, preacher, I've wasted so much time. Yeah, the old song says, I've wandered far away from home. But now I'm coming home. I promise you, sir, whether you're here, whether you're watching there, listen. When you come back to the place where God's grace is fresh and sweet as a honeycomb, you'll find the Lord's arms open wide. You won't find a belt. You won't find a stone. If you take one step toward the Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. The Savior's waiting. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.